Misread is a book podcast where we review books, discuss topics, and provide social commentary on what's happening today. So welcome back to another episode of Misread. My name is Cassie. I'm your host, Jolene. And we are back for a second episode. Yes, season two, number two, <laughs> episode two. Today we want to talk about, I first, I really want to touch on the Beyonce's article, the one yeah. that she wrote for Vogue. As we all know, Beyonce gave birth to twins this year and uh, Beyonce is the most private entertainer there is in our, of our era right now. <laughs> and um, so we don't, we didn't really have any details as to her pregnancy and even pictures of the twins. We haven't seen much, but she opened up for the September issue of Vogue. Okay. And it's also iconic because the September issues for all fashion magazine is the biggest issue of the year. Right. Another reason why it was so it was so worthy to be mentioned is right. also the photographer, photographer yeah. I think his name is Tyler. He's a black photographer yep. and is the first black photographer to do the September and he's young cover, yeah. In all he's the really years young. that Vogue has been around. So kudos, kudos to Vogue to opening up doors and I think there's a controversy as to whether Beyoncé asked for him to photograph her or if he was if it's Vogue that wanted him to be in there, I'm not too sure. But regardless, we're happy to see Black Talent celebrated that way. I think she mentioned that she wanted to work with him. Yeah? Yeah, Tyler Mitchell, 22-year-old. Okay. Uh, I think she mentioned that she she wanted to work with him, which that's great. Because mm-hmm. that was her way of also opening the doors mm-hmm. for, for other, other artists. artists. When the article came out, I had a whole Beyonce Appreciation Day <laughs> on my Instagram because I thought the article was so important. She touched on so many things, and I truly appreciated her talking about it. And I feel like a whole bunch of people say these things, but nobody really pays attention. But because it's Beyonce True. and it's her platform, people pay even more attention. And I'm glad. I'm glad that she can use the platform to shed light on her own personal issues that many of us have faced or are facing. So, Because I think a lot of times people separate themselves from celebrities. When they're human beings and go through all the same things, like like everybody else. Yeah. So I think it's great when, when they have moments of transparency and people can realize, wow, like I have that same experience too. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, they don't really, they don't really care for that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but I do see a lot of people that are fans of a lot of celebrities where those things mean a lot to them. Because mm-hmm. they, they follow their careers, their, their music yeah. changes their lives and things like that. So, um. I know because I think in in another episode we talked about the whole beehive thing and you're like, I'm a part of the beehive. And I'm like, I'm not really part of the beehive, but I do like me some Beyonce. Don't get me wrong. But uh, but yeah, she's 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 a she's definitely a go getter. I do. Mm. I do admire. But I like what I like. What I appreciated the most is that. You know how there's this whole culture now of snap back. Mm. That's the term, right? Like clap back. Like no, you, like when a woman gets pregnant and oh, she that's has what you to mean. snap okay, back into yes, her yes, yes. original frame in yeah. one week. Exactly. You know? and, and after like three weeks, they're like, post post baby body. Mm-hmm. Like showing off that they're like... And yeah. yeah, they're ready to go. And I appreciated, I appreciated that she said, she said, I have a little mommy pouch and I'm in no rush to get rid of it. I think it's real. But right now, my little fupa and I feel like we are meant to be. Yeah. I was like, Beyonce, you are the shit. <laughs> I'm not a mom. I'm, I'm not pregnant. I don't have a fupa. But I just felt like that's empowering. 
because we because those celebrities who have to snap back, they have a trainer, they have they a have whole the resources exactly it's to do very that. Different, yeah, but it's like it's like even regular women now who work a normal nine to five are pressuring themselves to snap back in a month. And it's like, do you know that it's actually unrealistic? A lot of celebrities go straight to a surgeon after they give yeah. birth to make sure that they snap back the way that, for that image to... Exactly. You know, but it's not, it's not real. And the other thing um, that she touched on that I really like, and it, it will segue a little bit into the topic that we're going to explore today... Right. She says, I come from a lineage of broken male-female relationships, abuse of power, and mistrust. Only when I saw that clearly was I able to resolve those conflicts in my own relationship. And did you, did you get that? Did, you, did that speak to you? I do understand that just because I think the way we conduct ourselves in our own lives has a lot to do with where we come from and what we're used to seeing. Um, if you only know brokenness it'll be easier for you to practice that you know what I mean so I think it was very self-aware for her to be able to say okay let me have a conscious moment where I actually see where maybe certain things in my marriage are coming from yeah and then that's the only way that you can really heal heal or combat it or be able to fight for it because you know where it's coming from Mm -hmm. if you don't know where it's coming from it kind of makes it harder but yeah to, to stop and say, okay, let me let me observe myself. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness is, I think, mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a key component of self growth mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just mind power in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm always I'm always intrigued when I feel like someone has a moment of self awareness because yeah. it's not easy. No, it's mm-hmm. not easy to look within, and we're going to touch on that because the book that we that we read touches a lot of being self-aware and yes. doing a lot of introspect. Yes, um, a lot. <laughs> a lot of it. <laughs> Maybe too much, but just so, you know, just so that we get the point. Well, you know, yeah, let's segue into it right away. So the book is called Motherhood. And we wanted we wanted to do this episode about motherhood in general. Because uh, I remember when we had our interview with Heather O'Neill, she talked on it and we were like, oh my God, she's making so much sense. We need to talk about this because this is definitely an issue that a lot of women are facing and it's the to have a child or to not have a child. And I know even the author of this book, Sheila Heedy, she she'll mention it like to breed or not to breed. Mm-hmm. And I think there's I think there's something to be said about saying breeding opposed to giving birth or having a child. Right. I think breeding, you kind of can disassociate the the human aspect to it. And it's more like a lot of women just feel like they're this baby making machine and my body isn't mine and this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm just breeding to populate because everyone says I'm supposed to procreate. So even the term breeding versus, you know, having a child or getting, being pregnant or giving birth, Mm -hmm. they have very different meanings, at least for me. Mm -hmm. That's how, they have different connotations. Whoa, 100%. Yeah. So the book is, it's an auto fiction novel and it focused on their deliberation on whether or not to have children. I think the author took a lot of elements from her own life. into. She put a lot of it into the book. But she also says that it's a novel and it, there are parts that are fiction. So it's not a memoir. It's not an autobiography. We'll say it's a work of fiction with a lot of truth. I'm not sure. It's like it's it's like an oxymoron. Like an mm-hmm. auto fiction. Yeah. 
so it's about me but not <laughs> exactly <laughs> and, and you know what's funny is that uh when you guys read this book or if you have read this book you'll realize that it's a very philosophical book so almost even the genre being this gray space of fiction non-fiction auto fiction it actually kind of makes sense because it goes with the whole abstract nature of all the you know the way that she talks in the in the book and what she's experiencing in the book and it's a lot of like I don't know what I'm thinking here what am I thinking mm-hmm. there contradicting mm-hmm. herself rethinking yeah. and that's actually even the genre that the book is in that's what that's the irony that's hilarious yeah but <laughs> to get to give you a gist of what like what the book is about like we say it's a woman that's deliberating whether or not she should have children she's a she's a writer she's in her late 30s and she's in a relationship with a man her boyfriend already has a child of his yeah. own and he lets it be clear that he doesn't want more children. But she's at a point in her life where she has to make that decision as to whether she will or she won't. And when she talks to him about it, he says, okay, fine, whatever you want to do, we'll do. But you have to make that final decision. So he puts the onus, the pressure on her. And uh, where, whereas I think it's a decision that you actually have to make as a couple, yeah. but he puts all the all the weight of that final decision onto her, that triggers a series of questions yeah. and deliberation and conversations with friends, where she 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 questions what motherhood is. Yeah. So that's the gist of what the book is about. Okay. So before we get into it, <laughs> before we get into your thoughts on the book, the author starts with this game of. She tosses a coin a couple of times, and if she gets two heads or two tails, it's, it, it gives her an answer. It's a yes or no answer. And the book starts with that. And um, while you were, I know you did audiobook. I read I the book physically, but you did, the, you, you, you listened to it. When she was asking herself all these questions, did you find yourself at one point answering the questions for her? Yeah. Me yeah. too. And I found too, it's interesting that she uses, um, the flip of the coin to answer a lot of, you know, the deep-seated questions that she has about her existence as a woman and what her purpose is. But then there's times where you even see in the book where she'll ask a question and then it might give her an answer she's not pleased with. Mm -hmm. And then the next day she'll ask a similar type of a question. So she mentions that she has a friend who talks about how she leads with her heart. Like, she never feels like she doesn't have the answers because she consults her heart. Right. And she mentions, wow, like, I wish I could be like that because my friend can consult her heart for answer. And here I am with my coins. But really, she does consult her heart because she looks for and and asks the right, you know what I mean? Like, there's a way that she even constructs the answers that she comes up from Mm -hmm. her coin toss. So in a way, she is actually more in tuned than than I think she initially comes across. I think the whole asking questions, I think, first of all, it's super important to ask yourself questions all the time to understand who you are and get to know yourself better. I also definitely believe 100% that all the questions you have in your life, your answers are found within. Even how many times people call their friends and ask for advice that they don't follow and they just go with whatever they originally felt like doing anyway. But I still think that the concept was important. For me, the fact that she was flipping those coins, I kind of felt like she just didn't want to take control mm. of her decision. So she was like, but the coin said. Yes. But like you said, Passing you insert your own questions, 100%. but you just, you're not ready to say I did or exactly. I am. So you're saying, well, the, 
you you keep flipping those coins until you're like you're more comfortable saying well that's where it led me to yeah instead of just making that decision exactly. and owning owning it she also visits psychics a few times mm-hmm. sometimes randomly sometimes she seeks it could you put your trust into a stranger more than yourself to tell you you should have a child or here's here's what your life looks like and here's what would you be able to to trust a stranger with that i don't think so I think that's too much of a, that's such a personal thing, you Mm -hmm. know, like after that moment, once you have this child, you're the only person with this child. Right. You know what I mean? Like taking care of this baby in and out and, and experiencing what motherhood means to you. And so to, to allow someone who wouldn't be a part of the process outside of here's some money, tell me what I want to hear almost probably because they do a lot of vetting. Yeah. So a lot of people think that they're coming up with things that are like super, oh my God, profound. But really, they're just better at reading people Mm -hmm. than the average person is. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the answers that they give you are actually answers that if you really just spoke to yourself, you'd find within yourself. Right. So just for that reason alone, I wouldn't. Because the answers that that person would be giving me are answers that they're reading off of me anyways. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can consult myself. Yeah. Yeah. I think that... um, there was a part in the, the book that really stuck out to me. And I know me and you had a brief conversation before we started recording about it. And it was the idea that people put a lot of pressure on people to procreate because the idea of having a legacy right. and passing on your genes. And I, and I and you hear men say this a lot. I want to pass on my genes and my legacy and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she mentions, like, can you not pass on your genes through art? And I thought that was beautiful because if we actually look up what it means to have a legacy, a legacy is something that's inherited. It's passed down. It's something that someone provides and someone is a receiver of. And can you pass down your genes and your legacy through art? I believe you can. I think you can too. I believe you can. I think you can too. Yeah, I absolutely believe that. And and I think even, even when you're talking about her art, in the book she... She she talks a lot about it in the sense that, but that's my baby. Yeah, you have a physical baby that you that you care for and that you nurture, but that's my creation. I birthed this as yeah. well. Her form of art is writing, and and she, she she says it multiple times in the book. Like she wants to dedicate herself to writing, to putting ideas on a paper, and to see it through. And she, I think, she feels like it maybe. I don't know if it's other people look down upon it or I wouldn't say they shame her for that, for it, but they're just like, but that's it. And that's why maybe they don't view art as a legacy. Yeah. And because they're just like, well, that's all you're going to do. Like, and that's, I also think it speaks of maybe the, uh, when you, you know, when we talk about breeding yeah. versus giving birth, yeah. where it talks about, Maybe deep down, a lot of people, maybe most people think that at the end of the day, we are here to procreate and make babies for the most, maybe only, maybe that's the most important thing. And there are other people that are like, no, but I, there are other things, there are other parts about me that I can explore and that's bring true. to life that are just as important as having a child. But we've been taught from such a young age that that was, for a lot of us, actually, like it is goal, it's the tradition. Yeah. It's what most people do. You get to a certain age, you get married or you have babies. And so when you count, when you go against that grain, 
then it's like, well, who do you think you are? What does it bring you? I think the people that have a problem with women that don't want to have children or they don't understand it, it's because it can come from a place of, I think naturally as human beings in the society that we're in, mm-hmm. we have to identify things. Right. I have to be able to, and you know how I feel about labels. I believe that people have labels, mm-hmm. you know? And that's that's literally how we make sense of the world. That is this, that is that, that yeah. goes here. Even in your home, this goes there. They're like, I don't see someone with a sofa in their kitchen. Why not? Mm-hmm. Who says it goes, like, we label things. And, and when you are able to label something, you can put it in a place. And when you can put something in a place in your mind, it causes you comfort. Right. When something's out of order, mm-hmm. that's when it causes you discomfort. So I think a lot of women who, who have those feelings towards women who aren't sure if they want kids or don't want kids, it's because a part of their identity or if a woman's identity is wrapped up in motherhood. Right. And I find that a lot of women even lose themselves in the identity of being a mother or being a wife. Mm-hmm. That almost becomes all they are. Yeah. You know, and, and you have a lot of mothers that that's not the case. They're mothers, but they're also this vibrant being and she's this and she's that and she has a whole bunch of layers to herself. But then you do get a lot of women that kind of lose themselves in, in, in being a mother and that solely becomes who they are. So I think that can be uncomfortable mm-hmm. when I identify so strongly with something. What, what, where are you then? Because yeah. I don't know where to place you. I don't exactly. know where to put you. Where, what's your identity? I think there's two there's two parts to this. There's the one part that she also touches on is that let's say you your friend gets pregnant she has a child and she's she loves it she loves the experience and she wants you to share that she wants you to share that love but it's amazing it brings me so much joy and because she's so happy she wants you to share experience just the same and then now now you can bond even closer because you guys have similar lives there's that there's that part and i think it's i think the intentions are good I don't think the intentions there are bad. I think it's, I think it, I think they're legitimate. Yeah. You know? And the other part where it makes you, it makes some people uncomfortable is there's a quote in the book where she says, um, they want that woman to be, they want that woman to be doing the work of child rearing more than they want her to be doing anything else. There is something threatening about a woman who is not occupied with children. There is something at loose ends feelings about such a woman what is she going to do instead what sort of trouble will she make so it's almost like a fear what else are you going to do yeah if you don't have kids you know my mom is like i told my (laughs) i told my mom mom i'm gonna go out and live in cuba for one year (laughs) the first thing she said was when are you going to have children when are you going to settle down when are you going to get married and give me some grandchildren and i'm like mom that's not all there is to life but for her it's like you're at this point in your life this is it this is the next step but you're here and it's like you're are you running away from you're doing everything to not be in that stage of your life and i'm just like there's more to life but that but i will get there if i need to but you know, but it comes down to the whole, we, we, like you said, like there's a label or like yeah, we put things in, yeah, yeah, we put things, oh, you're in your 20s, this is what you're, sh- you're doing, you're yep. in your 30s, well, this is where you should be, you're in your 40s and you're not there yet, okay, what's the problem? Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. And it's funny because we talk, they talk a lot about like the power in motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that there is a power in motherhood. I like, it's, it boggles my brain how, how normal being a mother is when it's such an extravagant thing. Like, the yeah. idea of being pregnant yeah. and giving birth is, like, it's crazy to me that women do it every single day. 
Like that is such a big deal. That is major trauma happening to your body when you're giving birth. Like that's beautiful and and just like and godlike. Yeah, like it's it's a big big deal. But because mm-hmm. it happens every day, I think oh that person gave birth. Oh, yeah, had a that's actually a really big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? I tell my friends I had two friends who gave birth within the past year, and I was like, you're a goddess. And the first friend was like, a goddess. I was like. <laughs> You're a goddess. Do you know how close to death you you get to when you give birth? Mm-hmm. When you go through all these changes, but then that moment where you're actually giving birth to a child, you know how close to death you actually are and you overcome it? And then Strong. my other friend, I was telling her that, and she came to that too, but she was just kind of afraid to say it. And I was like, you're a goddess. She's like, I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's such a powerful thing and it's not to say people diminish it or downplay it but like you said it's been so normalized it's that people normal, are like yeah you, you don't think about it like that mm-hmm. but then the book talks about can there also be power in not procreating because mm. in a way you're controlling the population I know she talks about like yeah. well she as as being Jewish the mm-hmm. whole idea was they wanted to wipe us out so now you need to procreate right. because you need to save your bloodline but she she made a comment like well, couldn't there be more power in me not procreating and letting everything die off and having to start fresh? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. That was interesting. And I think... Yeah, it is. And even even that, like, we talk about fear with having children, but there is a... Or with not having children, but there's a fear as to why some... Why generations have had children. Right. That fear of not being here anymore. Mm -hmm. That fear of something threatened your existence, so now you have to procreate. Yeah. So... I, I love that she she talked about that. I thought that was really interesting, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that um, within Jewish households that right. was a that's a thing that maybe you know some know. families talk about sometimes. And I I, I love like learning more. Mm-hmm. So, and even speaking of her family, she dedicates a whole chapter to the origins of her parents, mm-hmm. her grandparents, her parents, and I think I think it's important to know your roots. But how far do you think it plays a part into your fate or your destiny? And I asked that because when she explains the origin of her family and she trickles down to her mother and the choices that her mother made, you get the sense that there is a bit of tension between them because her mom chose a career or mm-hmm. put a more emphasis on her career than more so than on raising her children. The dad raised the children more than the mom did because the dad was not as career driven as the mother. The way she views her dad is is this playful understanding and loving man and the way that she views his mother is more um, rigid, rigid, a bit cold, almost absentee. And I was wondering when we're talking about family origin and things like that, is it because her mom was absentee and they weren't as close that it played a factor into why she was deliberating in her late thirties, whether or not she wanted to have children. Did that, did the relationship she has with her mom as a woman shape the way she viewed motherhood and because it wasn't the most pleasant or the most loving and connecting experience she 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 was hesitating a lot yeah. about becoming a mom I, I can see that I can see that I think but at the same time too I think generations are so different from one another mm-hmm. like me and my mom are completely different human beings mm-hmm. like in every sense of the word Okay. Like, my mother is everything I would love to be. And I'm also everything I think my mom kind of sometimes wishes she could be, too. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I, I do think, though, your upbringing, like we even talked about before, I think it is going to shape 
shape that. I know that um, the kind of mother I would be would be very different from the kind of mother that I had. Mm -hmm. My mom is extremely passive, extremely passive. And I don't think I would, I would, I would, I would fit that, you know? So Mm -hmm. how do I, Ooh, that's a good one. Like my legacy and my, where I come from, how does that shape my thoughts on motherhood? Because technically, it is our first experience with motherhood. Yeah, as being a daughter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, I was talking to a friend a couple of years ago, and uh, I don't know what we were talking about. It, we're all, we were obviously talking about our mothers, and I said to her, "I'm, I'm always surprised that people, new mothers, always want to ask other mothers advice on how to become a mother instead of asking the child. Why don't you ask me as a child?" What is the best way to be a mother? Wow, Cass, that is, that is so, wow. That's that. I've never even thought about it like that. Yeah, I, and and wow, I can't remember what my friend said at that time, but for me, because who better than a child to tell you? I love my mom because she does this for me, and you know, so it's it, it can be like banal. What's it, banal is also in English, but I don't know how to pronounce it in English. <laughs> um, it could be, it, you could like, you could just like, oh, it's just a kid talking about his mom. But like, if you actually listen to the simple words that he says and understand the depth behind it, it'll actually give you a lot of insight. My mom is amazing because she, she, she's present, you know, like, let's say in her example, like this is, I'm being, this is, this is hypothetical. Her mom not being present affected her. You know, the fact that she, you can, you can, I got the feeling that she was like, she wanted a, like a tighter relationship or there was something missing there. But like, if you had asked her as a child, why do you love your mom? Or is there anything you wish your mom could do? Maybe she would have said, I wish my mom was home more. It sounds so simple. But if you look at the depth behind it, it's like, well, maybe she's, she's lacking something. Maybe mm-hmm. there's attention she's not getting she's not being neglected that's a whole different thing it's not neglection but it's more maybe maybe she wished she could talk to her mom maybe she wished they bonded a little bit more and that will give you insight as to maybe what you could do or what yeah. you could avoid or even what style what kind of mom you are or you want to be you know that is a really good point i like the way you put that yeah, yeah. and there's and there's a lot of I know it's funny because even actually over the weekend, my friend kind of went through something where she doesn't have any children and she made a comment to someone who does have a child and they were so defensive and it was like, well, until you have kids, you'll never know this and never know that. And it's like, yeah, but I'm still a human being who's living and breathing and active in this world that can see things and understand things. I don't think it makes me void of having an opinion because I don't have children. Now, will I be able to understand on on a certain level that maybe you have an experience on Mm -hmm. we can argue that Mm -hmm. but it still doesn't mean that it takes away from me being able to be observant right and being able to call a spade a spade if i see it yeah and i I think that's i think that's a major major hot hot, yeah yeah it brings a little bit of friction even me like i have a friend (laughs) this this week i was she was telling me about her kid and i was like i always feel uncomfortable giving advice to mothers because i'm not a mother so i'm coming to you as a child yeah, I always say I, I always say that I come to you as a child. I come to you as the voice of your son and what he's not able to express to you. I think that's what your son is trying to say when he <laughs> acts this way. And I also sometimes that's friends. Awful. Hmm? 
That's really thoughtful of you. Yeah, and sometimes parents, I feel like they forget that they were children too. 100%. You know when they get so caught up in you yeah. acting up and they're like, why would he do this? He knows he's not supposed to do it. They get so caught up and you're like, yeah, but remember when you did it? Yeah. Maybe he's... He needs attention. Maybe he feels pain and that's how he's expressing his pain. He's just acting up. Usually that's why kids act up, you know? I'm like loving this conversation with you because I'm seeing this like, I'm literally picturing you as a mother (laughs) and I'm picturing myself as a mother and I'm just like, uh... She's gonna be a better brother than me because no, 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 you're no. so in tune. I'm like, y'all sit on that tuppy like that. That's gonna be my response, and you're like, hmm, maybe he's crying out to me and letting me know that. And I'm sitting here like, oh my god, maybe I should start thinking like that. Like, if I ever have kids, I need to be more in tune, and I need to think about no. being a child. Like, oh my god, the insecurities flooding through me right now. But I feel, in a way. I get it, but I also feel like there's a downside to it is because I, I feel like as a mother, I think I would smother my children. <laughs> you know, when you're too intuitive, yeah. you're like, oh, but he needs that and she needs this. And it's like you smother them, but sometimes you got to let your kids like go and hurt themselves so that yeah. they can learn. Sometimes I feel like that would be something I would struggle with <laughs> when I'm there. It's be like, just let them be. Yes, Cutting but, the umbilical cord. You that's know, what I always call yeah, it. that's it. <laughs> um, you know, something I wanted to talk about. Women who have children to keep a man. Never works. So she goes and she says, um, okay, so here's, the, here's what she says. She says, she says, do I really want a child or do I just want more of them? And the way that I took it in was sometimes when you're so in love with someone, you, you, it's so big and you're so in love and you want more of it. And what lasts longer than family ties? Yeah. So you're just like, well, here's a product of our love. You know, this is proof that we were in love and this is what. I, so sometimes, sometimes it's not that you want children. It's just that you're so in love and yeah. you just want this to last and you want this. And oh, the cute little baby. He looks like he was asking your eyes. That's my mouth. Like, and it's cute, right? Um, is it the right way to go about it? Is it the right way to, to is that the main reason to want to start a family, even though it's totally legitimate, I find. But then there's there are women who want a man they can't get, so they get pregnant by them. And they think it's going to keep him, and it doesn't. Yeah. It never does. Yeah. It never does. I think people don't realize that the idea that you have in your head of this, you know, little angel, and then the reality of when it comes into play, the stresses become more. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you're not in a strong relationship it actually makes it worse. You might be in that fairy tale for the first little bit. And by little bit, I mean while he's holding your hand and you're pushing and the baby comes out and you're like, oh, look at what you created. And then literally five minutes later, you're passed out tired and he's on his phone sitting in the delivery room and you're like, oh, hello, I need some attention here. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean when I say temporary. Like, very, very short-lived. And then reality sets in. Mm -hmm. So I think women, or even men, that that want to have women, uh, children with women or women that want to have children with men just for the idea to keep that person tied to them. I think it's... I don't even want to use the word selfish because I don't think there's ever a reason... There's no reason that anyone would want to have a kid that's not selfish. Right. And there's no reason mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't want to have a kid that's not somewhat selfish. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's another argument I never get when people are like, oh, you don't want kids, you're so selfish. Actually, we're all selfish because they're decisions that we're making for ourselves, right? Right. Um, so I don't want to say it's selfish, but it's definitely inconsiderate. And you're not thinking about what the child's life yeah. is going to, you know, play into. I know my my friend 
once said said something to me and I was like, oh my God, this is so powerful. And we were talking about, you know, someone who wasn't sure if they want to be, you know, in their marriage anymore. And she she was she was stuck because she was like, oh my God, but I want my child to grow up with both parents. And I'm and she made it a lot about that. But then my other friend said, well, are you afraid of being a single mother or are you afraid of being single? Those are two very different things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like right. being a single mother is very different than being that your idea that you're afraid of being single. And right. actually one of them is not attached to your child at all. Cause you can be a great mother and not be in a toxic relationship because actually if the household is toxic, it's actually a worse environment for your child. Yes. So what are you really afraid mm-hmm. of? Are you afraid of being a single mother? Or are you afraid of being single? That's true. And I think those are questions that, you know, women need to ask themselves sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. What else stuck out to you in this book? What else stuck out to me? Um, I definitely l- thought it was, I actually wanted to ask you about <clears throat> the fact that how come homosexual couples don't have the same pressures of having kids? She mentions that mm-hmm. in the book, and I never thought about it until she said it. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because in society, it's almost reversed. If you were to look at a homosexual couple and say, well, you can't produce it, you don't have a kid, it'd be like, oh! <gasps> How could you say that? They can have deep love without having children. Right. But then when you're looking at, you know, heterosexual relationships, Mm -hmm. the pressure is like, why wouldn't you give him a child? Why wouldn't he? Like, the pressure is so completely different. That's true. And and there's a lot of homosexual couples that do have children. Mm -hmm. So that the argument has nothing to do with that. It's just the societal pressures Mm -hmm. aren't the same for you to make sure that you have it. Mm -hmm. I think it's because it's still new. Mm-hmm. I think it's because it's still new. I don't know if we'll ever get to a point where we'll ask so. two men. Why well, you're don't you have kids now? Like, yeah, I don't think I don't think it would ever get there. I but think. also because of the biological clock. I think maybe Quote, that oh, plays yeah. into that. You'll never, you'll never ask two men in a relationship. Well, time is running out. When are you guys having kids? They can have kids whenever they want. Like nothing is stopping them. Whereas a heterosexual uh, couple. Yes, time is of the essence at, at a certain point. How do you feel about the whole biological clock? Like, even even the saying in itself? Um, there is, you know, there are there is physical truth to it. It is true. Like, you know, women cannot have children at past a certain point. But men can have children even when they're 73 years old. Like, I don't know if you know, but, like, last year, I think... One of the Rolling Stones member, the rock band, yeah, had a child, and I was like, he's seventy three years old. And when I saw that, and I was like, this is an injustice. This, this, is, an, this is an injustice. This man has a child of seventy three years old. Isn't that like obnoxious? Like you're just, you're just like, rubbing it in my you? face, you know. But his girlfriend was way younger than him. Of course, you and. A woman cannot. It's, I mean, well, to be honest, I've heard women get pregnant in their fifties, but I've yeah. never heard past that. Especially not at seventy-three years old. So it's not the norm. It's absolutely not the norm. It's, it, biologically, it's almost impossible. You know, so I'm not against it because there's a, there's truth to it. But however, I don't think you should pressure yourself and make the decision just because of that. Yeah. Like if you let's say a woman, her idea. Of, of a family is 
I don't know, let's say she's with a man and she wants to have a children, children with a person she loves, but that biological clock is ticking, don't go pressure yourself into finding just anyone and having a child with them just because you've always wanted a family. I agree. It's not necessarily going to work. So in that sense, I'm But I'm some women will have kids on their own. Yes, there's that too. Mm-hmm. There's that too. I don't know how I feel about the biological clock thing just because maybe I haven't really experienced mm-hmm. what, what that means. Um, and it's actually made me think about it a lot now that I'm 30 yeah. because all the pressures that I feel about where I am in life are actually all tied to career goals. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't ever cross my mind. Like, Oh my God, Jolene, you're not married at 30. Oh my God, Jolene, you don't have any Mm -hmm. kids at 30. It'll be like, Oh my gosh, Jolene, you don't have this yet at 30. Oh my gosh, Jolene. Like I thought, you know, I would be here financially and I'm not here. Any pressure that I feel for myself, even I know in the previous episode, I was telling you what it felt like turning 30 if I really was to sit down and think about what had me having a mental conniption, what had me in my feelings, what had me, you know, fretting for my future, none of it was tied Mm -hmm. to children or a relationship or marriage or men, none of it. It was literally all tied to accolades and accomplishments and things that I want for myself or I thought I would have had. Okay. And then in turn, that then made me think like, whoa, so if this is where I'm at, and the pressures that I'm feeling, actually, I could care less about that stuff, but I care a lot about this stuff. Do I want to have kids? Mm-hmm. And like, like how I weight them are so completely different. Mm-hmm. Like, like I don't know. It, it definitely caused me to think, and I've always been that that woman that wasn't quite sure. Never, okay. never really ever said no completely. Never really ever said yes completely. Yeah. Um, but I will say this, which kind of touches on the point we brought up prior where it's like you just feel like you're so in love you want to give this person something i will say this different relationships that i have been in have swayed absolutely me too whether or not i've wanted to Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you go as far as to start thinking like but wait a second if Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure if i wanted with this guy yeah was that a bigger red flag yeah but then maybe that's okay that i could love you entirely and be with you and not want to procreate with you like can can you guys write in i need to know actually can (laughs) can those two things exist could you love someone entirely and not want to procreate with them? Or if you love them entirely, you would want to procreate with them? And this isn't, this isn't for women who know for sure they don't want to have kids. Yeah. I, this question is for women who don't know. They're, they're, they're on the fence. Mm-hmm. If I'm someone who's on the fence, mm-hmm. but I'm, so I can be swayed either way, but I'm with someone who's swaying me not to have children, does that mean he's for me? Because there's another guy that would make me want, like, how do you measure who you would love more? Oh, I was so curious what people have to say about that. That's, Need a, answers. Really, that's, a, really, <laughs> that's a big question. Yeah. I think it's a super important question and requires a lot of self-introspection. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> it does. Um, but me too, I identify with that feeling. Yeah. And I think it's like last year, I remember because I don't know where I was coming from, but I was talking to my cousin. He came to pick me up from the airport and we're in the car and we're riding. And I tell him, his name is Alex. I'm like, Alex, I'm not sure I want to have kids. He's like, he's like, Cass, what the hell are you talking about? Of course you want kids. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, when I'm in love, I want four of them. I want them to fill my entire life. But when I go like in my little inner space, I'm like, I'm good. I don't really need kids. I would do it for him. And then that's when he said, don't ever have children mm. for men. 
And I was like, why not? It's a proof of my love. And he said, yeah, but what if you stop loving him? And what if you and him don't work out? You had children for him and now it doesn't work out. What do you do with the kids? Obviously, I would keep the kids, but... Obviously. You know, I, I wouldn't give them to the fire station. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would keep them there because you develop your love for them anyway. But but I thought that was powerful what he said. And it changed. It made me stop saying that. And I love that it was a man that said that to you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that it was a man. And he's very traditional. Yeah. Because he was like, what are you talking? Of course you want children. And I was like, no, Alex, hear me out. And then he listened and he, and he said, don't ever have kids for men. And... And that changed my perspective completely, and I've stopped saying that. I've stopped saying, I I mean, if he wants kids, I'll have kids with them. It's like, no, I think it's a mutual decision we have to yeah. take together from the onset. Yeah. Because it's a really important decision to make. Well, people do view children as gifts, which they are. Mm-hmm. They're gifts. Mm-hmm. But they're gifts to us, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? To the universe and yeah. stuff like that. It's not just a gift to your husband. This is what I can provide you. Yeah. There's a lot that can be said about conversations about motherhood. I know, mm-hmm. I know a lot of mothers um, feel feel pressure to be a certain type of a mother, yeah. or, and I know a lot of women who aren't mothers feel a lot of pressure to be mothers, and that begged me to really like dive into the part of the book where she says, "Does the question of do I want to be a mother ever change, even when you have kids?" Yes, yes, it is. I I remember you know, that part. Yeah, yeah. Like, even when you have kids, mm-hmm. do I want to be a mother? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Like, it never. You never stop asking yourself yeah, that question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and when they, after baby number one, you start thinking about baby number two. Do I want to be a mother of two? And yeah. there's like there's there's always that. You know what kind of mother am I? Yeah. And I I don't think women ever stop questioning themselves. And yeah. I think that's a space we need to get in. We need yeah. to be in. And she also says she was talking to a woman and. She had a son, and 35 years later, she still asked herself, what if I didn't have a son? What would mm-hmm. my life have turned out to yeah. be? And it's not, it's not negative. It's not to say she doesn't love her son. No. It's not to say she regrets anything. It's just She's just wondering. And in a way, I, I kind of I wonder if it's because a part of her hasn't been fulfilled. Because if all parts of you have been, you wouldn't ask yourself that question. You would think it was part of the, the great plan of True. my life. But if you keep going back and you keep asking yourself, what would have my life been? It's because maybe there was something you wanted to do you didn't do. Maybe because you thought, well, I'm a mom now, I can't. Which are, which are limitations that are based on fear or whatever. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're a limitation that we shouldn't have at all. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe that's, maybe that's where it stems from. But yeah, good point. Yeah, I really like what you said. I think you said it eloquently. Yeah. Yeah, that feeling. But even the type of mothers, because it's true that even some women, when they become mothers, they get even more judgmental of other mothers. Oh, for sure. They get There are cliques, and there for are clubs, sure. and there are, I do this for my kids, and yes. we're part of this. And My kids are vegan, and my <laughs> kids are this, and my <laughs> kids are gender neutral, and my mm-hmm. kids are this, and my kids, yeah. oh my God. And my kids, they don't, they don't eat junk at all. My kids, and meanwhile, another mother's like sending her child with like Lunchables and Capri Suns every time yes. and she's being judged because it's yeah. not like balanced meal. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of women. Women, we're hard on each other. Oh, very hard on each we're other. We're very, very hard on each other. I know my, my mom and the older women in our family, they have this thing mm-hmm. where whenever, you know, someone from the younger generation, one of the women in the younger generation have a baby, 
and the baby starts crying, their thing isn't just to like come over and like try and help or whatever. They always make this comment like, oh, come to some experienced hands. Oh. It's like this the little shade. like the <laughs> little shade. Like, like what? Yeah. Like, and they do it all oh, come, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Come to some experienced hands. And I'm just like, <laughs> what are you, what is wrong yeah. with you guys? Like mothers, mothers even within mothers. Yeah. There's a lot of like hierarchy and yes. you, you know, mothers are walking down the street and her, her stroller is like the Bentley of strollers. Yes. Like this stroller. Oh my God. It's like it never stops. <laughs> this comparing of each other, it's of true. ourselves, it's like it never stops even all the way to <laughs> having children and yeah. what kind of mothers are you and what kind of, you know. Um, but I will say from the women in my family, what I've observed, um, a lot of them do or, or how a lot of them are. And it's a, something that I've admired. So there are women who become consumed by their children. Yes. They lose their identity. They lose right. who they are. And they wake up 10 years later and they're like, where have my life gone? Like, And they don't necessarily know how to get back to that. Right. And then there's the other type of woman who's like, I have children, yes, um, but I still have my life. Yep. And so my child will submit to my lifestyle. Mm. He, he will get around me. I will not get around him. Interesting. And it doesn't take away the fact that they sacrifice for their kids right. and they do everything in their power to make sure that their kids are well-loved, well-fed, well-taken care of. But they won't lose any... If they want to do something, they'll do it and they'll make adjustment to for the child to be in it with them. I agree, yeah. They won't stop and they're like, no, I won't touch that project because I have a child. So maybe when he no. grows older, it's like, oh, no, 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 I can't. Let me find a babysitter. Can Let I bring him with, yeah. with me in my meetings? And can I do things, you know? They'll find a way. And I, I, I'm I, very happy that that's the example that I've seen. All right. And that if I if I am to be a mother, I would like, that's that's the example that I would like to emulate. A little bit because I I wouldn't want to lose who I am as a person and wake up no. 15 years later and regret not starting this thing or not that thing because I was so consumed by my children and it's not to take away anything from women who have experienced that because I can easily understand mm. how you get so caught up in your child and how it takes the best part of you I can totally understand that um, maybe it's about boundaries. I'm not too sure. It's maybe a conversation I should have with like my mom and my aunties and all that. But yeah, it's and something then, that I admire. Right, and I and I agree with you. I, I I think in the long run, what it what it can do for a child is um, it's profound mm -hmm. because they literally have an example of seeing this this woman be able to accomplish things that she wants, and you know, at the same time too, though. That can also be said for not women that necessarily lose their identity, but maybe their identity is to be consumed, is to be mm -hmm. a full-time fledged yes. mother. Yes. And and that happen that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think there's almost three. There's women that kind of just get caught into it and they lose themselves, and then they have a midlife crisis because they they didn't know who that person was. Yeah. And then you have women that you say that you were mentioning. Um, they they make sure that their kid can fit into the life that they're going to create. Mm -hmm. And then you have women that are like, wait, this is actually my whole new identity. So mm -hmm. there isn't going to be a midlife crisis later on because yeah. I know that this is what I want to mm -hmm. be full-fledged as a mother. This is my happiness. This is my happiness. Mm -hmm. And I and I think there's something to, to be said with, yes. you know, both the left and the right version of it. Yeah. It's the part in between that I worry about mm -hmm. when, it, when it comes to women. And Those are the women pressures. are the ones that we call the natural mothers. 
They were yeah. born to be mothers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's true. Good point. Good point. Overall, what did you think about? Overall, I thought it was really... I thought it was good. I thought it's very philosophical. Very philosophical. More yeah. so than I thought it was going to be yeah. when I first started to read this. Um, but she raised really important points. She... She talked a little bit about having another woman in the relationship at one yeah, point. Yeah, and it was so brief. And it's such a big thing to say that I yeah. thought it was interesting that she was so brief with it. But she, So she, she talks about different things. She talks also about jealousy. Mothers who are yeah. jealous of their children. So she, raised, she raises a lot, a of, lot of good points. Good points, real points. So I thought um, that was a good read for that. I do think the book could have been shorter. I do think she could have cut a good like fifty to hundred pages off mm-hmm. of off of it, um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it was it was a really good read. Yeah, and I, I listened to the audiobook, so I had mm-hmm. trouble. I had, yeah. I had a little bit of trouble. <laughs> I wasn't a fan, and mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. I became a fan after I stopped reading it, and I was thinking. You were when you were reflecting yeah. back on what she said. When I was reflecting, I became a fan. Okay. So, but while you were reading, while I was reading, I was like, I, I'm a philosophy minor, so mm-hmm. I was like, oh god, this reminds me of school. <laughs> like, oh my god, girl, answer a question already. Like, goodness, <laughs> like it was driving me crazy. But then I appreciated it when yeah. I was reflecting. I, I, I can say I, I appreciated it. So, yeah. my rating would probably be, I'll say about a three point five out of five. Yeah. I'll say about the same. I'll say three. 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 Yeah. I, I think, I think how, like, however, I will say that conversations are definitely, like, ones to be had if you, mm-hmm. if you read this book. Yes. I think you get a lot of um, interesting perspectives. And with that being said, we would love to get your guys' perspectives. Absolutely. Motherhood, um, what it means to be a parent, what it means to have children, not to have children. What does it mean to be selfish? Um, is it better to battle nature or submit to nature? And that's something she says in there that I that I love. Where is the power? So I would love to read your guys' thoughts. I would love to hear your opinions. Yeah, share with us. Share with us. Yeah. Subscribe, guys. We'll see you next time. Toodaloo. <laughs>